this is John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast. Today I'm continuing on with this series I've been doing on the fruits of the Spirit, and I want to look at the third of the fruits of the Spirit, which is peace. This third fruit of the Spirit, peace, will grow as we learn to walk in the Spirit. Peace is one of the key things we must find as we walk in Christ. When we eventually live in God's eternal kingdom, it's expected that there will be no wars or infighting, no arguments. So we must learn the ways of peace now so that we live in harmony with Jesus Christ and with God and with our brethren in the Lord. So my objectives today are to try and understand why peace is so important and secondly to learn some of the ways that we can have this peace in Jesus Christ. The first scripture I want to look at is in Matthew chapter 5 verse 9 and it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Now, this is one of the Beatitudes, obviously, and it says, Blessed are the peacemakers. Now, what you may not understand is there are two aspects to this verse. First, there are those who make peace between others. There are the people who are conciliators between other people to try and bring peace where there is none. And we quite often see things like talks in the Middle East, as an example, where they're trying to get peace in the Middle East. And they are blessed because these peacemakers can find peace. And that's a blessing. Anywhere that peace can be found and peace can come to the fore is a blessing. But the second aspect to this, this beatitude of blessed are the peacemakers, and it's more important, is that those who can find peace within themselves, they are at peace. They learn how to be at peace in themselves. And then regardless of what is going on around them, it doesn't affect their inner peace. The evil of the world cannot take away their peace. And this is the important piece. This is where people have learned and understood and received the peace of God. And it's this second group who become the sons of God. It's this second group, the ones who find peace within themselves and peace within all of the things around them. These are the ones who are the sons of God. When it says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. So the next scripture I want to have a look at is in 1 Peter chapter 3, and I'm reading from verse 8 to verse 12. Finally, all of you have unity of spirit, sympathy, love of the brethren, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not return evil for evil, or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, bless, for to this you have been called, that you may obtain a blessing. For he that would love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile. Let him turn away from evil and do right. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those that do evil. This is a very important point. When it says there, seek peace and pursue it, it means that you have to chase after it. You have to work for it. You have to do everything in your power to find this peace because peace does not come automatically. You don't find peace and expect it to always just be there. It's a constant battle. There is a constant battle going on within us and around us to take away our peace. And so there's a constant battle to overcome and to hold on to the peace. The devil will throw all kinds of things against us to try and take away our peace. He'll throw obstacles in all over the place to try and take away our peace. And that's why Peter tells us here that we must seek peace. So that's the first thing. You've got to look for it. 
and not just look for it. He says, seek peace and pursue it. Chase after it like it's the most important thing in the world. Seek peace and pursue it. And the Lord's people are those who actually find that peace and then have the ability to be able to hold on to it. So the third script I want to go into now is over in the book of John. And I'm reading John chapter 14, verses 25 to 27. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the counsel of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. In these words, the Lord is showing us that he has given us his peace. And he gives this expecting nothing in return. When he says, not as the world gives do I give to you, he doesn't expect anything in return for the peace or any of the other things that he gives to us. When you think about people in the world, when you think about people that you may work with and family members and all of the people around you, particularly the non-Christians I'm talking about here, is there is always an expectation of give and take. There is always going to be an expectation of, well, if I do a favour for you, then you do a favour for me. Or, you know, if I do a favour for you, you owe me. But that's not the way the Lord works. When he gives us a gift, he doesn't expect anything in return. And he gives to us freely and without cost. And as we saw in that uh, scripture that I read, he also gives us the Holy Spirit. And the purpose of that is to help us to be able to overcome the things that will take away our peace. The Holy Spirit fights for us when we let him so that we remain in peace. When we put things into the hands of the Holy Spirit, he fights and he takes control of those things so that we can remain at peace and he will fight for us. And that's why he says, let not your hearts be troubled and neither let them be afraid. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is going to take control of those things when we hand the things over to the Spirit to fight for us. And so the Lord gives us his peace and we can hold on to that peace. The next scripture I want to go over into is in the book of Hebrews. And I'm reading Hebrews chapter 12, verses 7 to 11. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time at their pleasure, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. The Lord disciplines his people. And he disciplines his people so that we can become disciplined. The discipline of the Lord is all about training, to try and train us in the ways of the Lord. He's training us in righteousness through discipline. And as it says here, the end result of it, he says there in verse 11, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. And it does. When we're disciplined, it hurts. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. So once we've been trained by the Lord in the ways of the Lord, once we've been trained through discipline, once we've been trained to be able to distinguish good from evil and right from wrong, and we choose to do what's right and what's good in the eyes of the Lord, 
because we've been disciplined and we've been trained, then we yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness because we've been trained in the ways of the Lord. We've been trained in those things through disciplining to be able to recognise what is good and right and true. And we have no reason to condemn ourselves. We have no reason to be upset because we have been trained in the things of the Lord. And so we have peace. And this is how it works. The end result is peace as we gain control over our life. And that's why the Lord has given us these things. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit to be able to gain control. Self-control is one of the nine fruits of the Spirit. And I'll get to that one. That's the very last one. I'll get to that one later on. But the purpose of this is so that we can grow the fruit of peace through the Holy Spirit and through the fruits of the Spirit. And this comes as we are trained and as we are disciplined. Over in the next verse, I'm going to have a look at Romans chapter 3, and I'm reading verses 9 to 18. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For I have already charged that all men, both Jews and Greeks, are under the power of sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have gone wrong. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, this is a bit of an indictment on the world uh, in this scripture, because the ways of the world are not ways of peace. And as we read through that list of issues there for all of the people of this world, and we've all been there, we all came out of the world, but as we read through that list of issues and we recognise those things going on, and that's why there is no peace in this world. As it says here in verse 17, the way of peace they do not know. They don't know that the only way to find true peace is to come to Christ. Their paths always lead to ruin and to trouble and to tribulation and trial and problems. The world doesn't know how to be at peace. And that's why there's always wars. I did a study a little while ago on the uh, the number of wars that have gone on. And the number of wars going around, on around this world in the last um, 100 years is probably double what it was at the highest point in any, any other time during the, uh, the history of the world. The rate of war is increasing. And in fact, at the time that I did the study, which was in July 2019, there were at that time in this world 75 that's 75 active wars being fought. This world does not know the way of peace. It just hasn't got a clue. And even if you ignore the wars, you have a look everywhere, business and people, they're always competing, they're always arguing, they're always seeking their own desires. They're arguing for gain and for profit, and they're trying to pull wool over people's eyes to try and get somewhere, to get to whatever their particular objective is and hang anyone else who, who gets in the way. They have no fear of the Lord and they don't know his ways. And we have to understand this because we live in the world. We need to recognize that these are the ways of the world. This is how it works. And we have to learn how to deal with the world, finding peace in whatever way we can. And the way that we find peace is through the Lord because he's given us his peace if we accept it. And if we seek peace and pursue it, we can find peace. And the beauty of that is that 
regardless then of what's going on, the wars, the arguments, the fighting, the carry-on on TV, all of the disruptions and tribulations and trials and troubles, when we find the Lord's peace and we hold on to it, then none of those things will move us. None of those things will affect us. We will be able to stand in the face of all those things and still remain at peace in ourselves. So the next scripture is also in the book of Romans. And I'm going to go over now into Romans chapter 12. And I'm reading from verse 18 down to 21. If possible, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is a fantastic teaching. And the first part of it there says, If possible, and that's the point, if at all possible, sometimes it won't be possible, but if possible, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. To live at peace with others is our responsibility. It's not them, it's not their responsibility, it's our responsibility. If we throw up barriers, if we throw up arguments, if we throw up disagreements with other people, then we're not gonna have peace. It's on us to be able to find a way to live peaceably with all, if possible, and sometimes you won't. And in those times when you can't or where you won't be able to live in peace, then he goes on there in verse 19 and says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Now, sometimes people are going to attack you, but don't you avenge yourself because, he says, leave it to the wrath of God, for it's written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. The Lord will take those situations. He will repay everyone for the evil that they do. If they do evil, if they attack you, if they do things against you, the Lord will wreak uh, havoc upon them. He will wreak his vengeance upon them. Instead, he says, no, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he's thirsty, give him drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And that's the way that we can find, or one of the ways that we can find the place of peace. If your enemy comes against you, don't attack him. If they come against you, if he's thirsty, as it says, give him a drink. If he's thirsty and he comes to you and you say, no drink here, mate, you go off and you find somewhere else. Well, you're just continuing to create that environment of animosity, that environment of competitiveness, uh, and you're keeping him as an enemy. But if, if you give him a drink, then all of a sudden he may think, well, maybe this guy's not such a bad guy after all. And even if he still says that, uh, no, he's my enemy, you've done the right thing by him. And it changes people's minds when you do the right thing by them. When you do the right thing by other people, they respond to that in ways differently than if you were to try than if you were to throw up a barrier and if you were to argue and fight. So it's important for us to understand that and to always seek to live peaceably with other people. We have to seek peace with those around us. We may not always succeed, but our aim is to always try to be at peace with everyone. And if the peace fails, then as I said, don't take revenge. Our call the reason why we've been called as Christians is to be at peace and to do good, to not be overcome by evil, but to overcome evil by doing good. 
All right, moving on from there, we want to go over into the book of James, and I'm reading from chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good life, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This wisdom is not such as comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, without uncertainty or insincerity. And the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The first part of this scripture describes the ways of the world. It says that there's jealousy and selfish ambition and bitterness and so on and so on. And this should not be the ways of Christians. These must not be the ways of Christians. And unfortunately in the church there are people who are like this, much as I hate to say it. But this should not be. We are seeking a place of peace and righteousness. We are seeking the wisdom of God to lead our lives. And we must find peace because peace leads to righteousness. As it says there, righteousness is harvested by sowing peace and making peace in ourselves. If we can't sow peace, if we can't sow peace into other people, if we can't sow peace into ourselves, then we can't expect to harvest righteousness. And that's what we need. We need to find the place of righteousness. As it says, the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So we must first make peace, and this is how we sow peace into our lives, and then in due course we will reap the benefits of righteousness. That's how it works. The next scripture I want to go over into now is in Romans chapter 5, and I'm reading from verse 1 to 5. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in our hope of sharing the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit which has been given to us. To be justified, what it means to be justified is to be made righteous. And when we are justified and walking in God's righteousness, we have peace. We receive his righteousness through faith. There's no need to be condemned when we're walking in his free gift of righteousness that he gives us by faith. And when we have this, we find peace and growth through the process described in this verse. We see that process here about uh, how we start with this righteousness. We start with peace and we have peace with God because we have been justified by him. He's the one that declares us to be righteous as he did with Abraham when it says Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Well so he's done with us. When we believe in what God has done in Jesus Christ he reckons us righteous too and when he reckons us righteous then he's not holding anything against us. If he says you are righteous then he's not holding sin against you. He's not holding all of the other issues and problems that you have against you. He's saying, no, I have declared you righteous. Therefore, we're at peace. He's no longer our enemy and we're no longer his enemy. He has declared us to be his friends. And then this process, as we continue to walk and grow with Christ, we, uh, we go into this process where it says we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. So that's step one. First, we suffer to produce endurance. And as we endure, it goes on, it says, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, 
And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And as you can see, there is a step-by-step process that we're following as we continue to walk with Christ. And we have the love of God in us, which then also gives us peace because he has poured his love into us when he gives us his Holy Spirit. And one of the fruits of the Spirit is peace, which is what I'm talking about today. The next scripture I want to go into is in Romans chapter 8, and I'm reading from verse 1 to 5. It says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemns sin in the flesh, in order that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. This is a very important piece of Scripture. This is how we find the peace of Christ. This is how we learn to walk in the peace of Christ. When we focus our minds on the things of the flesh, when we are worried about the things of this world, when we look at all of the things going on, and good to know there are so many things going on in this world, then we are not focused on the spirit. We are focusing on the world. We are focused on the things that will affect us in the flesh. And he says, to set the mind on the flesh is death, in verse 6. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. It goes on and says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, therein lies our challenge. When we are focused on the things of the world, we are hostile to God. Our thoughts are hostile to God. But when we change around and we focus our our mind on the things of the Spirit, then we are no longer hostile to God. We are the friends of God. And we focus our minds on the things of the Spirit by thinking about the things of the Lord. We can pray. We can do some Bible study. We can meditate on some scriptures. We can sing or listen to Christian songs. We can do anything that is good. We can look at God's creation around us. You can go into your garden if you happen to be a gardener and you can look at your plants. Um, If you like animals, you can go and look at uh, your, your pets and things like that and enjoy those things because you know that those things are the gifts God has given to us to enjoy because he is the great creator. He created all things. And we are focusing then on the things of the spirit when we think on those things. It's about how we think. However, when we focus on the strife of this world and on the passions of our flesh, if we allow things like jealousy and envy and anger and strife and those things to lift up within us and to rule us, then we lose our peace. And we are no longer focused on the things of the spirit. Our our mind is then set on the things of the flesh and we cannot please God. The last scripture that I now want to have a look at is in the uh, book of John, chapter 16, and I'm going to read from verse 29 down to 33. His disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly, not in any figure. Now we know that you know all things and need none to question you. By this we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? The hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, every man to his home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said this to you, that in me 
you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. This is a fantastic scripture. And I've already mentioned a couple of times, this world is filled with tribulation. We see it more every day with all of the disasters and the crises all over the world. I mean, here in Australia, where I live, we've had fires, we've had flood, we have droughts. We've now got this coronavirus, which is spreading across the world. I noticed on the on the news this morning about a, a cyclone um, that went through, or a tornado rather, that went through Nashville and, and caused great damage in the USA. And we know about all of these different things, and, and it exists all over the world. There are so many crises, there is so much tribulation in the world today that it's almost unimaginable. And yet, unfortunately, these things have to happen because the Bible told us that this would happen before the return of the Lord. And on top of this, on top of all of the natural disasters, we've got all of the human-made disasters, greed and man's inhumanity to his fellow man. But we can get over the top of these things as Christians. When we walk in Christ, we have peace and we know that it cannot be taken unless we allow the troubles of the world to take it. If we remain constant in Christ, then his peace reigns in our lives because Christ has overcome the world. As he said there in verse 33, I have said this to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. And that's an amazing thing. He just said, look, you've got tribulation all around you, but don't worry about it. Be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And so he has. And he has given us the ability to have the victory over the world as well. So a couple of things just to think about. Can you see now why peace is so important? Can you also see that in this world there is no peace? There never will be. And do you understand that by peace we become children of God? That the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace. Do you now understand some of the ways also that you can find and hold on to peace? By setting your mind on the things of the Spirit. So just take a moment now in prayer to ask the Lord to help you find his peace. Ask him to show you the way to both find his peace and to hold on to it in your life so that you're not stirred up and you're not troubled by all of the issues of this world. Anyway, that's it for this session. In our next session, I'm going to look at the next in the Fruits of the Spirit, and I'll be looking at patience next time. So until then, this is John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast, wishing you all to have a fantastic week, uh, that the Lord will be with you in all the things you do, and I hope that you will join me again this time next week. <music>